the Missionary Enquirer. I'm Don Wilkins. Before the Asian giant hornets, which carry the gruesome nickname murder hornets, arrived in the United States, this country's native honeybees were already facing diseases, animals, and other pests that were doing them harm. In this episode, we talk to state apiarist Tammy Potter about the chances of the murder hornets spreading to Kentucky. Stay with us. This is Inquire. So, uh, my name is Tammy Horn Potter, and I'm the Kentucky State Apiarist with the Kentucky Department of Agriculture. So, what what does that what does that entail? What is your job? So, the state apiarist wears three hats. Uh, my first priority is honeybee health uh, concerns. The second priority is uh, setting up uh, relationships between beekeepers, honey producers, and markets. And then the third hat I wear is education. So last, I guess it was last summer when we, when we met, you were in Davis County checking out uh, the health of honeybee hives. Um, so I guess that includes diseases, pests, pathogens, that sort of thing, right? Viruses, correct. Um, so the honeybee health survey uh, is done among approximately 34 states, and we take samples from volunteer beekeepers, um, and we take a portion of those bees, and we have the bees analyzed for viruses, uh, mite counts, spore counts, anything that would impact the health of a colony. Well, and that's kind of what we're here about today. Because since then, um, and, I, and I suppose you've been tracking uh, what they uh, what they're called the murder hornets, which uh, have received national attention. And obviously, we have hornets, you know, here in the United States. Uh, so, other than their, I guess, gruesome nickname, what what makes this hornet different from from other hornets? You're precisely right. I mean, we have a native hornet called the bald-faced hornet. Uh, we do have another type of hornet called European hornets here in Kentucky. Uh, they can also look pretty frightening to humans, but they don't do damage to honeybees. Asian giant hornets, on the other hand, uh, do tremendous damage to honeybee hives. Uh, they like to decapitate honeybees and can kill up to 40 honeybees in one minute. So we have not had this particular species of a hornet in uh, the United States until December of 2019. Uh, the USDA has had apiaris putting out traps for Asian giant hornets uh, since 2019. So I can tell you that in Kentucky, uh, none of the samples that I sent in to be identified showed any sign of Asian giant hornet. Um, and I'm getting ready to put out traps this week when it warms up. Uh, but, the, but the point here, I think that I want your listeners to realize is that at least, like I said, as far as, as we know, uh, the Asian giant hornet is not in Kentucky. So do we know, or is there just right now a theory on, on how these hornets arrived in the United States? Oh. So the assumption is that they probably came in on storage containers. Uh, invasives in general can arrive to the United States in a number of different 
um, formats. Uh, they can come through airplane uh, cargo, uh, through shipping containers on ships. Um, beekeepers are, are also part of this. Uh, we tend to like to bring queen bees in from other countries via a, a method we call shirt pocket importation. So um, I doubt, given the very ferocious nature of the Asian giant hornet, that there was anybody who wanted to bring that hornet in via mm. their shirt pocket because <laughs> yeah. it'd be a pretty powerful sting. Um, but uh, the, the assumption here is that they first came into Vancouver in September. And, and, the, and the assumption, of course, is it's a port city. It's on the western side of the United States. Uh, that it was probably through shipping containers. And, and and I guess you've already kind of alluded to, I guess, the nickname. So uh, how, I guess, how did they get their nickname? Was it because mm-hmm. you said they go in and, and, and decapitate the, the honeybees? Is that how they got their nickname, or is there another? It's much more, I think, the impact on public safety. Um, there have been fatalities, human fatalities, mm. related to this particular type of hornet. That this particular type of hornet likes urban environments, um, and so there's a public risk here as well as just a, a, an agricultural risk. Uh, so I have to be honest. I had not heard the term murder hornet until the New York Times article published uh, last last uh, last week. However, there is another equally colorful term for this particular type of, of hornet, and that's called a yak killer. And that is because it doesn't, you know, a couple of bee stings uh, from this particular, it's the world's largest hornet. And it can, it, it will defend its nest if it feels threatened. This this particular hornet right now lives, you say Asia, but specifically Japan, is um, China, other Asian countries included in this? Yeah, yeah. And, and this hornet differs from other hornets that people may be uh, familiar with because it likes to build its nest underground. You know, the hornets that we are familiar with tend to be uh, aerial. Uh, They build their nest in aerial places, tops of trees, um, you know, sometimes the tops of buildings, out, you know, sheds, things like that. But um, the Asian giant hornet will build its nest uh, in rotting tree, tree cavities, things like that. So it makes it a little more difficult to find. Um, And, and really what, you know, people who are searching for the, for the nets hornets right now in um, Washington State, um, they're looking for queens. Uh, queens are the ones that can breed and, and lay multiple uh, eggs and workers. Uh, the workers themselves cannot uh, build more nests. Um, so, so it's the queens that the, the, the people who are on the search for these nests are, are trying to find. So, so when when you call them giant, uh, how big are, are we talking about? At least two inches, at least. Wow. Okay. These are the world's largest hornets. Okay. You know? <laughs> I would not want to meet one of these things. Uh, and the European hornet, by contrast, tends to be about an inch and a half. Okay. So it's a little smaller. Um, I've been inundated with photos of um uh, hornets that people have found here in the state 
Um, and, and I realize that they are ferocious looking, <laughs> yeah. but, but they are still smaller than the Asian giant hornet. So I guess get into a little bit more about why are they such a threat to the honeybees? And then you kind of got into this a little bit, but what happens when murder hornets attack honeybees? I mean, how do they, how do they know where, you know, how do they know where to find uh, a honeybee hive? How does that work? You know, it tends to be, I think, primarily chemicals. Uh, Pheromones are a very powerful way of of communicating, especially among the insect world, Um, especially the social colonies. Uh, They can, you know, uh, in a honeybee colony, for instance, uh, when foragers go out to, to bring in nectar and pollen, uh, they are using pheromones on their antenna. Their antenna act as a kind of nose, and that helps them find their home colony. And so it's, you know, if, and pheromones can travel distances, you know, so that's one way that they can find them. So, so that's one way, um, you know, Apiarists uh, tend to put our hives in one location, and that's that's kind of like a an open door to a predator. Uh, you know, if you were to find a honeybee colony in the wild, it would be in the top of a tree, at least twelve feet up off the ground. You know, commercial beekeeping uh, enterprises don't do things this way. We have lots of hives and condensed areas and that's like an open door uh so all it takes is you know one hornet finding that one hive and that typically then means that there are four or five other hives at least and in the case of commercial beekeeping operations that can be several hundred hives and that's the worry so what i'm hearing is you have one of these murder hornets just kind of prowling around, uh, foraging, and comes up on a honeybee hive and leaves this pheromone behind so he knows how to find this hive again and then goes back and gets more muscle, essentially? Correct. Okay. And then they can just simply outgunning. I mean, again, this is an insect that's two inches um, in length, and, and it will sit in front of the hive. And... It's it's a it's a practice called social uh, hive predation, and so these hornets will line up outside the front of a hive and just wait for the foragers to come out. But foragers, if they detect a threat, will not leave, and so then it just becomes a, a you know a battle. And there's very little that a, a honeybee hive can do to withstand a full-on Asian giant hornet attack. So what's the purpose behind the Asian... I mean, why are they so interested in honeybees? There are, uh, you know, uh, that's where they get their protein, you know. um, So they're not after the honey. They're after the actual... That's right. Okay. So that's a big difference between bees and wasps and hornets. You know, honeybees are vegetarian, they get all of their nutrients from flowers, specifically pollen and nectar. 
hornets and wasps get their nutrients from other other you know animals um they're they're meat eaters they need the protein from other wasps and other hornets and bees and you know the other name for the asian giant hornet is a sparrow killer so you know it needs it needs to eat just the way that you and i do it needs protein it needs it needs to eat so so it will it will take advantage of what's a, what's around in its environment and you somewhat describe the aftermath of a, an attack early can you kind of describe that in more detail you said to go around and decapitate honeybees what's so the purpose I of that I haven't seen one of these firsthand <laughs> I I don't have direct witness account here um, I don't want to have direct <laughs> you know well, it seems I, like you're in that line of fire and the type of work you do if you have to go out and set traps and that sort of thing are, are you going to have to go out and if there I, was I, a if there was a I, case I, here I, would you have to go out and would you be the one that would go out to try to eliminate it so yeah i mean you know that's one of the things that we do i, I mean I, I chose to be a part of the usda native bee and wasp survey uh, because Kentucky is an international center for equine and the bourbon industry. So we have lots of horses coming in from Japan and from China and from South America. And, um, and we have a lot of bourbon, you know, that crosses the channels. And so uh, it seemed to me, while it, it is unlikely that the Asian giant hornet would arrive in our state, uh, typically, port cities tend to be where invasives first arrive. Um, and typically, horses tend to be brought first to Miami, um, I think Chicago, maybe uh, Los Angeles. Uh, check me on that. Uh, they are quarantined, horses are, for a specific amount of time before they are eventually brought into Kentucky. Uh, by the same token, there's a lot of bedding there in the equine industry, and we know that invasives can show up in soils and potted plants, in pottery sometimes, the mud, they get caked, their eggs get caked onto the mud of pottery. Um, so for those reasons, it seemed to me that uh, Kentucky needed to be involved. We are one of 10 states that are setting out bait, bait traps. Uh, not just for the Asian giant hornet. We also want to learn more about the native bees in our states. Um, native bees are critically challenged the way that honeybees are. Um, and so what we learned last year, just in the five months that I was setting out traps for both native bees and the Asian giant hornet, first of all was one, we don't have any specimens of Asian giant hornet, but number two, we added over 34 different species of native bees to our lists here in the state. So, uh, you know, so I want to be clear that I haven't seen an Asian giant hornet attack on a honeybee hive. I hope to never have that direct witness account. Um, so right now, how, how would you say beekeepers, at least in Kentucky, <laughs> should feel right now? So I think right now beekeepers just need to be cautious. Uh, need to they need to be on their guard. But I've I've told other people I'm much more concerned about tick-borne illnesses right now because when I'm outside every day, 
you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm picking up ticks, you know, and so I'm much more concerned about Lyme disease. Rocky Mountain spotted fever can kill me more easily right now than the Asian giant hornet. That's the, that is my reality. Um, and, and so beekeepers need, you know, need to be, um, like I said, cautious. Uh, they need to keep their eyes out for hornet nests of all kinds, you know, um, and do the smart thing. Don't poke a hornet's nest yeah. <laughs> simply because it's there, <laughs> because that will rile hornets, uh, especially in the summer months. Um, they, um, they are more populous then. Uh, they typically will, will uh, begin to downsize in the wintertime to just the queen. Um, and, and she will mate and then she will be the sole survivor of the hornet colony through the wintertime. But again, this is the Asian giant hornet species is not in Kentucky at this point in time that we know. And, and I guess when you talk about the honeybees and, and their importance to our ecosystem, um, with the pollination that they provide and, um, and I'm assuming you know Japan and you know other countries. They have, they have honeybees. Um, is it because those honeybees over there have been able to develop a mechanism to to help defend off these giant hornets? Is the reason why they've been able to survive over there versus here? They our honeybees haven't encountered such a threat. Uh, that's a really good question. I think many people don't realize that there are 20,000 different species of bees around the world. So there's a lot more diversity of bees than what uh, I think the average person realizes. And, and especially so in Asia, um, you know, and, and typically when it comes to honeybee species, there, uh, there are 10 different honeybee species the ones in the honeybee species that tend to uh, have to deal with the Asian giant hornet, uh, there's a, a type of honeybee species called the Apis dorsata. The, the, and, and it is a huge type. It, I mean, it's, it tends to build its um, hives, colonies, and caves. Uh, this is where you'll get the rock hunters in India and Nepal, um, you know, climbing ladders to get to these particular type of honeybee hives. Um, so because they tend to be larger colonies than what we have in the United States, they can do a better job of defending themselves. Um, they have their, uh, the, the Apis dorsata bees have their colonies up in caves. The, the Asian giant hornet has its nest down in, in tree cavities. So in some ways, it's a it's a situation. It's geographic, you know. Geography is the best defense. Can you just talk about you know those folks out there who may not you know we hear a lot about you know the the importance of the honeybee, the decline of the honeybee. Uh, so can you talk about the importance of honeybees, and then just talk about if the honeybees are are doing better than what people think or are they making a comeback? I mean, what is going on there? So at this point in time, in my opinion, um, honeybee hives are barely holding steady. Um, we, 
the researchers are, are learning more every year about the parasites that honeybees here in the United States are dealing with. Uh, the, at the top of that list is a parasite called the Varroa mite. The Varroa mite does damage in two ways. It lives off the body of the bee, but it also spreads viruses. There are up to 27 different viruses that Varroa mites can spread. And we're still learning more about those viruses. It's like the coronavirus. There, um, you know, a lot of times a colony can be suffering from viruses, but there aren't any symptoms. And there's no quick test to, to give a beekeeper to say, okay, your hive has X amount of viruses. When I take samples for the USDA, such as the one that you witnessed, we're taking samples from colonies that look healthy. In other words, the wings are healthy, the bodies of the bees look healthy, the populations are healthy. Uh, yet, when we get the reports back, we're seeing that a lot of these hives have viruses. Hmm. And, and just like your human body can suffer when it has a virus, such as a coronavirus, um, we're still learning the ways that those viruses impact the honeybees, both individually and as a colony. With these threats, the virus threats and the, the mite threats, and now we have this new uh, threat, uh, possibly with this with this murder hornet. I mean, w and in your profession and and how you're looking at honeybees right now. I, I mean, how how's the future looking for the honeybees? Well, I, again, I'm going to stress that the, the Asian giant hornet was found in 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 Washington State on the Canadian border in December. And, and two of the three colonies were found and destroyed. The hornet's nests were found and destroyed. And so that leaves one, and the Washington state authorities have organized, they've worked well with the beekeeping association to send out volunteers to find this. So on one hand, I'm cautiously optimistic that they have a surveillance system in place. Uh, the USDA has funded the, the native bee and wasp survey again for 2020. Um, so those surveillance efforts are ongoing. And I think, um, I'm not saying that, I mean, if there is a silver lining to this pandemic, to me, it is, um, has been a learning opportunity for, for all of us to learn more about how viruses work um, to understand that um, there are very simple things we can do to control uh, the threats around us. Uh, in the case of a coronavirus, it's washing our hands, you know, for a length of time. That's very uh, minimal in terms of activity. It doesn't cost a lot of money, um, but it cuts down our chances significantly. And similarly with honeybee colonies, you know, we can allow a lot more space between hives. That is one thing that a beekeeper can do to cut down viral spread. Um, beekeepers can sanitize their hive tools more frequently so that viruses don't get spread between hives and do the surveillance that many of us, um, you know, would do anyway. Uh, you know, look around your environment before you go into your hives. Are there obvious predators? And by this too, I mean, not just hornets. I mean, I'm talking 
the kinds of things that routinely disrupt a hive's activity, skunks, raccoons, um, you know, those, you know, hornets, bald-faced hornets, um, wasps at the end of the fall become a major nuisance to, to, to weaker hives. Uh, beekeepers, uh, you know, can, can do a little bit more monitoring. If a hive starts to get weak, make sure to combine it with a stronger colony, keep those populations up. A, good, a strong population is the best defense when we're talking about honeybee hives and the threats that they have to encounter. And then we'll wrap up our show for today. I would like to thank state apiarist Tammy Potter for joining me. To send us questions or provide feedback, email us at newscast at messenger-inquire.com. Remember, you can find us on the Messenger Inquire's website, Apple iTunes, and Facebook, where you can subscribe to Inquire. Until next time, I'm Don Wilkins saying good day for Inquire.